0: Episode number one hundred and thirty-six. I am your usual host, Jared, and today I am joined by Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. Hello. I have Mr. Doug Wilson.
1: That's what my mom calls me. I have Mr. Michael Mahoney. Hey, good friends. How are you doing this evening?
0: And we have special Uh, guests. It's been a little while since we had a guest, so I'm I'm happy to announce that we are bringing in some fresh blood on the podcast. I have Mr. Ross Shabilsky
2: Hey, everyone. Pleasure
0: to be here. Did I nail that, Chbilsky? I-, I killed
2: it, right? You aced it. You aced it. I'm impressed. I just I'm crushed it. Crushed. Uh, so rude, Jared.
0: Ross is, of course, a, uh, a pretty, I, I think, uh, experienced individual in the game industry. And specifically, he's channeling that experience right now into uh, a YouTube channel as well as working on a game. You sound like a, a terribly busy guy from what I understand. Does that sound about right, yeah,
2: Ross? I'm just pretty chill, you know? I just uh, take it one day at a time. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a bit there's quite a bit going on, yes,
0: yes. Cool, cool. Well, we're definitely going to spend uh, lots of time talking about that, but I do want to uh, just cover a couple things that have kind of happened during the week and recap a little bit like we usually do. And... Before we do
3: that, we need to, to oh. get an update on
1: something very important. Did you get the houseboat? Uh, no, we, no, we no. You know, I don't want to fucking talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we booked, we booked too
0: late. We, dream, will, we will not be staying on dead. the houseboat. So I don't the even want
1: to go dead. anymore.
0: At least as of this moment, I, I haven't booked anything. Cause I'm hoping that perhaps it comes back on the market. You know, things fall through people cancel uh, all the time.
3: It's always a good plan, going into a, a city, a strange city, without having accommodations.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not going to uh, wait until, like, the week before, but, you know, uh, I guess let's send that out there. If you're up there in the Seattle area, and you have access to a houseboat, and uh, you don't mind Michael filling it up with whatever venereal diseases he's carrying, uh, definitely reach what, what out to us. What the fuck is that, Jared? <laughs> definitely reach <laughs> out to us. a very
1: pleasant guest. <laughs> and
0: let us know, because we would love to stay in your houseboat.
1: Yeah, houseboat people, I would love to stay on your houseboat. I'm an excellent guest. Uh Jared's the monster. Oh, sure. You don't have to let him in.
0: I I think I'm pretty harmless. I mostly just sing terribly racist songs. Uh usually in front of the ethnicity that they're directed towards.
1: This, yeah, the missus really loved you. None of this
0: is making any sense, but let's go ahead and let's go ahead and <laughs> yeah. let's acknowledge the thing that Nintendo uh won't which is, the, this week marks the 30th anniversary of the Metroid series.
1: Uh so, Yeah,
3: just,
0: just a small, small round of applause for Metroid.
1: Um, yeah. Ooh, those games are terrible, and Nintendo's right to not like them. Well, good. Yeah.
0: Good, because... Get
3: out of
1: here, Doug.
0: Aside from maybe like 15% off on the virtual console, I don't think you're going to see uh, much regarding Metroid at this <laughs> current time. Uh, Why do I hate Metroid? Aside from aside from the beloved Federation boring. Force which I think is Federation Force out yet? Who knows? Does anyone know is it going to come out? Uh let me see.
3: Metroid this is uh
0: August nineteenth. Oh my god, it comes out in two weeks or a, a week and a half not actually. It. Not it. Oh yeah, we're not covering that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not covering that at all. Um, but uh Nintendo may have forgotten the birth of their beloved franchise,
3: but I think I, I, they haven't forgotten. I think Federation Force is an insult.
0: Well yeah, they 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 remembered and Federation Force is is <laughs> them urinating on the grave of the franchise. Exactly. Yes. Uh, But although Nintendo may have forgotten, there is at least one group this week who did not forget, and those are the creators of what is called Project AM2R. Uh, This is a recreation of the Metroid 2 Game Boy game in an engine that is, uh, I think, fairly similar, you could say, to the Super Metroid series. It looks like it probably uh, maybe fits somewhere between an SNES and a Game Boy Advance, uh, but it's yeah. a, a PC-based remake, and they have they released the game on... Uh, when did they put it out? It, they've already deleted the post where they released it. They released it on the actual day of the anniversary. Yeah, they I th- did. I think Nintendo had it taken down within a day. Does that sound mm-hmm. right?
3: Probably a yeah, day. Yeah, all right. He was during the weekend, which was amazing. And this
0: is something that they have to do. They have to protect their copyrights and... This is almost certainly a violation of it. So I don't think anybody expected it to stay up. But having said that, I am very surprised at just how quickly they were able to take it down. They really did not waste any time uh, getting that thing pulled from the internet. So if you were interested in playing it, you'll probably be doing it via torrent or some other illegal download site. You're definitely not going to be getting it off of the Metroid 2 remake site.
1: And we would not advocate that.
0: Right. We would never encourage you to do that. Uh, we would not
3: encourage you to go to kickastore.to and uh, we, would, we would say that you shouldn't really look up the uh, AM2R in the uh, search bar. <laughs> and, um, you know, we we said that we shouldn't really get it, the magnet file to, to get the game. Yeah, <laughs> so you guys should yet, be on yeah. drugs.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> do any of those things.
2: I, I'm actually, no
0: in their posts, they do make an interesting point. They say, please don't hate Nintendo for all this. It's their legal obligation to protect their IP. Instead of sending hate mail, get the original Metroid 2 from the eShop. Show them that 2D adventure platformers are still a thing people want. Uh, I, actually, maybe this is a question for us, because you have some experience in the AAA world. Um, do you think that's a thing that would actually work, or do you think that's a thing where they would just sit back and say, "Hooray, some money"?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It would take a lot of downloads to uh, to, to push people in the AAA. I think to
0: so move that needle at all. You think move that needle? Yeah, yeah. By I more think more so. than a hundred.
2: Definitely more than 100 <laughs> hundred, two hundred, <laughs> Michael. No, you idiot. Idiot.
0: At least double that.
2: Damn, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, got their, they got their eye and the pie in the sky. You know, it's just the, the the plan sort of out there. They've got the next big thing they're going for. It's gonna. It takes a lot of movement to get something like that off the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Metroid is something that we pontificate on often here because it's one of those games where the the side-scrolling iteration of it to me doesn't seem like as much work as some of the terrible things that they do to it instead you have like federation force which looks like it was probably much harder to make than uh than say a traditional metroid side scroller but uh nonetheless that's what they insist on giving and uh you know i i I guess that probably won't change anytime soon but uh that's okay we have others out there who are uh, you know, hearing the call, the desire for games like that, uh, I haven't played too much of it yet, but Headlander is maybe a good example of one such game, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on a, on a future podcast, but I uh, haven't had enough time to really dive <laughs> too deep into it. Because what I have been diving quite deep into for like the last nah. two hours is No Man's Sky. And, and so how I? I picked it up just kind of on a whim. Lucio, you're going to actually formally review the game, but yep. uh, I decided that uh, I couldn't resist just kind of checking it out. And I guess the big thing that I'm curious about is I'm curious in how different our experiences are, or maybe how closely uh, related to each other they are. So how much how much play have you gotten so far? Like where 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 kind of are you? Maybe the question I should ask is: Do you have a hyperdrive?
3: No, I don't have a hyperdrive.
0: do you yeah. are you have you left the starting planet?
3: I could have, but instead I started running around looking to see how big it was Gotcha because uh, I'm reviewing it, so I wanted to see you know oh let's see how big it is and how much shit there is because you started i don't know if it's, if it's the same experience you have, but I started like in a um in a crash site. And I basically had to put my ship back, to, back together hmm I think that's the scenario that everybody
0: starts with, but the planet that you're on where that occurs is what's different for everyone. Tell me about right. that uh tell me about that starting planet what was it like
3: so it was mostly flora there was there were animals, but there were very few um it was uh i guess green earth uh, green rocky earth and um you know weird color fauna and it was there's a huge cave system which i kind of discovered by accident by falling into Um, oh yeah yeah and i was in that cave system for a while (laughs) because it was too big for me to jetpack out of Uh, So I a
0: lot of times a lot of times you can actually tear down the walls i found um so, like, I fell in a very large cave, too, without really, like, looking. And uh, I was kind of panicking about being trapped. But eventually, I was kind of able to carve, like, a staircase out of the cave.
3: No, no not in this case. Yeah, that's too uh, bad. But eventually, I did make it out. Uh, it took a while. Uh, so, that's kind of why it took me so long to get my ship back together. I, I did get it. It was full of minerals, though. So, I got, like, a lot of the stuff that I needed mm-hmm. just from getting lost in that cave. So my
0: starting planet had a toxic atmosphere, so not only did I have to worry oh, about uh, not only did I have to worry about life support, but there's actually a second bar as well that drains that's like an air filtration system or, or something along those lines so i I'm assuming then that was just me. you didn't encounter poisonous gas or anything like that
2: uh
3: no there was a part where there was um radiation mm-hmm. But that actually filled up my suit, so it kind of worked for my advantage.
0: Oh, filled up your suit with like,
2: uh, like,
0: not, yeah, not cancer. cancer,
2: I guess, just some right. kind of good. That's good to hear. Way to roll the dice on that one, Jared. Jeans toxic planet. Welcome to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess
0: I guess not i I mean I was never in like grand danger or anything like that it didn't seem like but uh, have you encountered a, uh, a a hostile animal yet Lucio
3: uh I did shoot one and it became hostile but we're next. <laughs> yeah okay, yeah
0: that's a good way to do that did you feed one yet' Because I'm not super clear I... on what feeding them does it just puts a little happy face above their head
3: yeah I fed one and it was happy and then it just kind of
1: whatever I
0: was under and the impression print on
1: you Jared you have to deal with them all the time
0: I was under the impression that you could name the animals uh, but I haven't found where to go to do that yet
3: When when you upload the discovery you can change the name
0: but, uh, I see I see so do I is that when I hit like those checkpoint stations that I that I do the upload or Yeah oh okay I'll have to look into that a little bit more cuz I want to name all the cute animals I found um
3: so, so anyway, I took, I, I managed to get my ship working after I finally escaped the cave from hell uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, I went up and I found like, immediately after I took off, I, I noticed that there was like a, it's basically like a glorified landing pad because mm-hmm. it was just like a landing pad and like a platform with a guy in it. So I go, I, I went to, to the weird alien, I, I couldn't speak the language. You know, it's something on like the options for something like give him 10 credits or pat him on the head. You um, could pat him on the head. So I patted him on the head and I lost a uh, f- faction reputation with <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> faction. Who, do you remember what faction? Was it the Kovacs? No, the Gek.
0: Oh, because G- I'm running into the Kovacs a lot and I've learned a lot of their. Uh, language so there's there's like monoliths scattered around the planet that will teach you each one seems to teach you one word of the language yeah. so i feel like it would take a very long time to become like fluent in it um uh, but like the second one i found i learned the kovacs word for kovacs so <laughs> is it coax it's, it is in, in the text i, I don't know. <laughs> but uh that was pretty solid but um Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we probably spawned in very different places then, because I definitely didn't have a living person on my planet. I had creatures. I had this weird, there was a really common one that I found that was like this dinosaur with like uh, feathers on its tail. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second planet I went to had a lot of, I don't know how to describe them really. They, They just look weird and they have like these giant bulbs or cysts or something on their back. And they uh, they make a noise that was very upsetting to my dogs. So that was a that was a very loud planet. I didn't I didn't get to <laughs> really experience that in, in great peace. But that's where I'm at right now. as I'm trying to get a hyperdrive put together. Uh, I wasn't in a big hurry to stay on the planet that I started on. I found that I, the, why. I found that the navigation uh, was kind of obnoxious because there's no map or anything like that. Instead, what you yeah. do is you basically scan the area. And things Mm -hmm. will just kind of pop up on the screen to show you, like, this mineral's here. This mineral's here. But the challenge, I guess, is that there are different kinds of minerals. But a lot of them share the same icon because they're the same type of mineral. And so, Yeah, the same thing. It can be kind of frustrating when you need, like, a specific one. Like when you
3: are in a planet filled with iron and you need zinc?
0: I forget what the one. There's ones like Thamium 9 or something like that. tell me about it. Uh, yeah, Michael knows all about being out of Thamium Nime. It's just the worst. Uh as uh, well, bad
1: as being out of Zinc. <laughs> nothing's worse than being <laughs> out of Zinc,
0: man. Uh, but it, I did find that it was a little difficult. And I also found at one point there was a, a particular element that I was looking for. And it appeared on my, on my uh, HUD and told me it was like seven minutes away. That's one thing that is kind of cool is it actually gives you a time estimate when you look at an objective. And yeah. uh it's real time, so if you start running, that estimate will drop to match your your run speed and uh but i anyway, I ran seven minutes to find this thing, and on my way back, I couldn't help but notice that there were pockets of it everywhere, and that i <laughs> definitely didn't have to go that far out of my way, so that was what kind of killed my interest in that planet and I decided the
2: destination is the journey <laughs>
0: i I wouldn't say so in no man's sky at least not so far
3: I uh, thought. Uh, I thought it was the uh, atmosphere that was killing you, that killed your interest in the planet.
0: I mean that that was another reason to leave for for sure. Uh, but
3: yeah. my planet was hostile against my existence. I might have left it instead of going around and seeing how big it is. Right,
0: right. Well, you, you described the fauna a little bit, but just like kind of the coloring. What was it like? Because mine were like big pods. They it was very unfriendly. Were you just like trees? Was it
3: like a no, nice was, place? Uh, we're all sort of sheds that were like palm trees and like shrubs and... What?
0: So you like started on like a beach paradise,
3: Yeah, except without the beach and with huge gas uh uh <laughs> okay. gas clouds that come from the earth. Um, he was at a Sandals resort. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Cancun Planet. He started yeah, at the Bark in a Coladas. The...
3: Yeah. One of the so things um, what I found with the beach water and I offended the bartender but... One of the things yeah, you that, that place that I
0: thought we could talk about with this before we before we leave it. I, I don't know what what are your maybe maybe just really quickly what are your initial impressions? Does this have promise? Does this uh, are, are you intrigued? Are you horrified? No, what what do you think? I'm
3: intrigued. Uh, I'm intrigued, but I wonder. Now that I talk to you about it, it's even I'm more intrigued, but. Uh, Cause I was wondering, okay, this is a pretty cool and it's a great planet, but you know, how many planets are we going to land in that are going to be exactly the same? But it seems like there is a fair bit of variety. Mm-hmm. Well, does everybody share the same like infinite universe map? Oh, this is a, this
0: is a, this is a thing to talk about, real quick. Um, because one of the things, and we've talked about No Man's Sky a lot on this podcast, and one of the things that I'm so astounded by is how. Hello Games cannot really give a straight answer a lot of times as to how their own game works. Almost as though they don't know. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but
3: Maybe it's because they stole the uh, the formula.
0: <laughs> people... So, from what I understand, yes, we're all navigating the same generated universe. So, in theory, you could find the same planet that I was on, and it would look the same. Although, my understanding of the multiplayer aspects is that any changes i made you wouldn't see those so if i carved my name into a wall and you went to that planet it would look the same it would have the same fauna it would it would for all intents and purposes be the same planet but you wouldn't have any indication that i had been there if that makes sense uh. now but the bigger problem yeah. is is that you would never find that planet to begin with because the universe is just so incredibly large in this game that uh it's it's just almost impossible it's highly highly unlikely that you would ever find a planet that I had visited. I'll um, find
1: you, Jared. Whatever it takes. Or, or again, this, how, is, how this is so they say. Reports.
0: This is so they say. There's no real discerning map that you're able to find. So yeah, at, that's a problem. At, at some point, you're kind of taking people's words for it as to wh- how big the scope actually is. Uh, it sounds like the game's servers have been having trouble all day, which is isn't a big surprise. I mean, it's a launch day for a game. So just, you know... Welcome to 2016. But uh, I I don't see any discernible difference for when I'm online or when I'm offline. I've experienced the game in both situations. And the only difference, I think, is if I were to upload a name, I, it wouldn't get uploaded. Uh, that that would right. pretty much be it. Um, yeah. Supposedly, and this is the big question that they've never been able to answer. And I, I don't know if it's just that they don't know or or what. But uh, supposedly, in multiple interviews that go back like years ago, they have said that if you ran into another player, you would be able to see each other. So if you went to the same place that another player was at, you would be able to encounter each other. But because of the size and scope of the universe, that just very likely would never happen. And that in all likelihood, you will never see another live player while you play the game. Well... Two players on Twitch today managed to... And this is just, I think, probably because of the way, you know, generating random numbers with computers works and and this sort of thing. But, But two of them happened to collide and be in the exact same place at the exact same time. And neither of them were able to see each other. And they tried all kinds of things. They disconnected from PSN. They reconnected to see if maybe they could join, like, a different server instance or something like that. They both confirmed they're online. Uh, but the the short version of this is just that they were not actually able to see each other at all. So
1: I don't know. So there
3: goes that. The way I understood it is like yeah, if you happen to somehow, by the law of like averages, somewhat you know someone else, you would be able to see each other. But I guess not.
0: This is this is very cut and dry to me. Either the net code to allow you to see another player exists in the game. Or it, right. does, or it doesn't. Oh, but yeah. this yeah. I, I understand that there are other variations at play, like, you know, ser- uh, server instancing and perhaps you're on a different instance of it or something like that. Uh, so there is very possibly a reason why these two people couldn't see each other. But that doesn't mean that, you know, under different circumstances, they wouldn't have been able to. But if you go back in time or, or you go and look, it just doesn't feel like at any point that question is actually answered. As to whether or not that that code exists and whether or not you can actually like, I don't feel like it's confirmed whether or not you can see another player in game right now. And at the rate we're going, I just think maybe we'll never know.
3: Um, because every time
0: you wind up in a situation where you could have, there will be some kind of excuse: the servers were down, our universe is too big, you know. Just who who knows?
3: <laughs> uh, it's it's a good question, and. Um, it's kind of weird that we so about it,
0: right? And, and I mean, they uh, what? they they posted a very definitive tweet. I thought that kind of put to rest my question, which was they they posted a tweet, and I'll I'll quote it directly. They said, "To be super clear, No Man's Sky is not a multiplayer game. Please don't go in looking for that experience." And so, to me, that sends a message of okay. Well, then, I, other players probably aren't instanced into my game having said that, right below it, their very next tweet is they say the chances of two players ever crossing paths in a universe this large is pretty much zero. Which implies that there is a chance that you can see those players.
1: You know, if the internet was willing to give me such mouth service, I would not answer questions definitively either.
0: I mean, that's fair.
1: I'm in the the Nomad Sky subreddit, and there's another group
3: um Another thread about people who can meet each other. He says, "I warp from to a star system uh, discovered by a username PsychoCat." So I message him, and it turns out that he's very uh, close by. We will meet at a space station. Edit: We are both in the same place, but we cannot see each other. Yeah, so, I,
0: I think that netcode just doesn't exist. I, I, but I don't know I why mean, you would just be
3: fine. But I, the thing is, why is that,
0: say that? The thing is, is that a lot of what they're selling their game on is a concept that the player base has imagined that may not necessarily actually exist. And if people were buying... I I
3: think about it um, last week, right? That they're not really doing anything to dispel those notions.
0: Right, why would you? If people were buying your game because they thought maybe somewhere in the game there was something cool... Like, let's take Sunset, for example. Um, Some people imagined that there was something cool inside Sunset. And so they might have been duped into buying the game and if i saw that on twitter i would probably fuel that so i can sell more copies of that game and i'm not saying i'm not accusing anybody of anything but i am saying that uh if a bunch of people thought my game was this magic thing that it really wasn't i might not be in a huge hurry to correct them because i can get all those sweet sweet bucks
1: does your game support isis do you think we support isis
0: i mean i'd probably dispel that one pretty quick but but you know i don't know I I don't know. It seems like that might be a tough answer to get out of Hello
3: Games. I right. mean, I, I don't think they support ISIS because if they did, when you take off into the sky, you would see Mohammed. <laughs> and you
1: don't see Mohammed. This might be Lucio's last podcast, everybody. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, anyway... <laughs>
0: i don't know how i feel about it all in all uh i'll I'll play more of it tonight and probably some more during the week uh i like flying around in the spaceship it feels good i like the planets they're neat um i don't know what else to tell you really it's we'll we'll see
3: i the big question kind of what i expected
0: the big question is what how are the romance options we don't know yet i haven't romanced anybody I pet mm-hmm. an alien on the head and he got mad at me. See, and are there romance mm-hmm. options? Because Hello Games would tell you they can't answer that because it contains spoilers.
1: Well, there better be. That's the only reason we play games anymore. The every- they would just say there's infinite amount of romance in the universe. <laughs> that that, no, that answers it without answering it. Are so sweet.
2: <laughs> what What did you say, Ross? I said your chances of finding it are so slim.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's like oh no, it's like real life. That's the exact <laughs> I
2: mean, answer. That's a good angle. I'm gonna start to use that. That, that you create this mystique, you know, that, that your game's got all this greatness to it. It's like you just gotta explore, immerse yourself, and you never know what you'll. <laughs> within the
0: treasure trove. Well, I, I saw there that exact, I saw good that good
3: exact scenario.
2: I think you just got your next marketing
3: campaign. I I see, seriously, part. I gotta pick up on that. That's some good stuff.
0: I saw that exact scenario on a Reddit AMA that the uh, head of the studio did, and someone asked him, they're like, early on in trailers and stuff, we saw like giant worms. That was specifically what they wanted to know about. They're like, giant worms. And they're like, are giant worms in the game? And he said, I can't answer this uh, without spoiling anything, and so, I will say that large creatures are very rare. And that's all we get. It's just, like, just yes or no, man. Are there giant worms in the game? She <laughs> doesn't know, Jared. How hard is it to just be like, yeah, there's giant worms. Or no, there's not. But if you say no, then all the giant worm fans don't buy your game. So, you know, it's right. better to just keep your mouth shut. And just say, well, they, maybe. They plugged,
3: maybe? They, they plugged an equation of evil into the the game and they don't know what it does <laughs> you know what's in the center of the galaxy is Satan
0: I think of uh, I think of the witness a little bit because the witness had these uh, monoliths scattered around the island and uh, if you solved these environmental puzzles you could actually like clear these monoliths and they'd change from black to white and the question was what happens when you clear them all and no one had that answer, and no one was in a hurry to answer it. And everyone imagined all the crazy things that would happen when you finally did it. And uh once someone finally did it, the answer's nothing. Nothing happens. Just everything stays the same. So uh and that that might be that might be what you're gonna get out of No Man's Sky. I guess what I would say to you is if you if you want to do anything else other than just chill out and fly through space. Like, if you are sitting down you're like, I want to take over a, a space station and shoot down a, a thingamid a thing bob, I would maybe just kind of steer clear for a bit. Uh, because even if you can do those things, it might be a long time before you get to the point where you can do those things.
3: Yeah, you start off very, very weak. So. Um, And my ship right now, it's basically like held together with Scott's Tape and and my dreams.
0: By the way, so uh, maybe two things, and then we'll and then we'll drop it. Uh, one thing just to mention is if you use um, the DLC ship, it actually comes with a hyperdrive, and you basically will miss the entire tutorial phase of the game. So maybe be careful about that. And two is I don't know if you know this already, Lucio, but if you melee, and that's R one to melee and you immediately mm-hmm. press the jump button to to set off your jetpack like right after you throw your punch kind of um you'll get a really nice speed boost that is way faster than sprinting what? so and then you, you just you yeah. just you know pump the jetpack to get wherever you're going it's a little hard to do but once you once you figure it out well,
3: i believe you it's just such a weird like mechanic I don't is think it's, a
0: mechanic i don't think it's a mechanic i don't <laughs> think it's supposed to work like
3: that is it going to be patched out?
0: But right now, it very well could get patched out. But as of this moment, if you want to go a little faster, throw a punch, ignite your jetpack, and uh, zoom around the place. You're welcome.
3: Yeah, thank you. All right,
0: we've we spent... explore a gigantic world. We've spent way too long ignoring our guest. Ross, we got to come back to you now. And uh, I think I want to start by kind of talking about... Your YouTube channel or more specifically where your YouTube channel comes from, because you've been, uh, you know, you've basically started this local dev uh, here in Salt Lake City. And upon starting it, one of the things that you've kind of done, I, I think, and correct me if I'm paraphrasing this wrong, is you've kind of taken a lot of the steps that it takes for you to launch a studio uh, yourself, and you've started kind of documenting those so that other people can use those and hopefully be inspired to start their own studios. Where where does that come from? Where did you get the idea to to start doing that?
2: So it started uh, four years ago. I was trying to get into GDC as a speaker because I thought that would be a really cool experience. And uh, the thing is, they like to have people that have experience. So I found that strange, like you have to have experience to be a speaker, but in order to be, get experience, I have to be a speaker. It's like, okay, so I uh, I took that as a cue and decided to start volunteering in areas that would take me as a speaker. Um, one of those places was uh, the college I graduated, and uh, I did a talk for them, just recorded it with a video camera while I gave it about how I started uh, my first company uh, and getting into games and the video actually cuts out like halfway in the middle of the presentation. It never concludes at the ending. And somehow in the past four years, that's become the most popular video on YouTube for how to start <laughs> a game company. <laughs> <All> right. Right. <laughs> that's a, so that's, So
0: I, I guess the lesson there is that it's not information that a lot of people are super keen to share.
2: Maybe. I, that, it's kind of like the mystery. I, I mean, I never try to market it, do anything with it. I just sort of put it out there as a... Example of yeah, hey, I thought this would be useful. I threw it on my channel. I had at the time maybe like ten different videos, and one day I was just kind of like playing with the YouTube app and looking at stats. I'm like, this video has got like four months of view times. What's going on? <laughs> why is this video so popular? <laughs> I have no idea. But I figured, you know, if there's if there's that many people that are finding it and looking at it, maybe there's something to that that other people are you know seeking this kind of knowledge and not not finding the information they need. So I figured, why not give it a shot? And I. Just a couple months ago, I um, started doing just a weekly video post where I offer some kind of tidbit of knowledge and offer people a chance to ask questions, give comments, and hope, hoping that that'll help inspire more people to get started and create their own game studios.
0: And, and help me sort out a uh, timeline on your background here. You. Uh, obviously, the the big milestones here is you, you started a studio, D20 Studios. You published your first game, which was uh, Hero Mages. And uh, you also spent some time at EA. Was that before or after Hero Mages?
2: That was after Hero Mages. That was after. Okay, so
0: you published your own game, and then you wound up uh, spending some time working in, in AAA. Was that a, a big shock to the system to make that transition? Or
2: oh, It was different. Definitely different. That's for sure. Um, I mean, it was an awesome experience at the time. I mean, getting into the games industry is one of those things everyone sort of wonders. It's a it's a mystifying concept. How does one get into making video games? How do you get that job? And I'm just like, well, all the tools are available out there. Just go make games. Um, but then the same kind of tool approaches. You get to you make games, and then. By making games, you get the experience. It's kind of like the speaking thing. <laughs> how, do you, how do you become a speaker? You do speeches. If you want to make games, you make them, and things kind of fall into place. Um, but oddly, it, was, it wasn't it was even the, the game that got me to EA. It was it was the work I did around the game, like the, the things I would do to kind of outreach and help other developers. Um, Adobe at the time had just launched a uh, platform for creating cross-platform things on mobile, and there wasn't a whole lot of articles talking about how to, how to create stuff on that, how, how to make a game on an iPad using Flash. So I wrote some of the first articles about that and um, got that on my LinkedIn profile. And that's what drew the attention of EA's recruiters. They said, we need somebody that knows this stuff. Come help lead this team here. <laughs> and that's what brought me to Utah.
0: That's, that's what I was going to ask. So, so did they recruit you from out of
2: state? They did, yeah. I'm actually from Chicago.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And so and so you decided that uh, that Utah sounded nice. How long have you been in, in Utah now? Four years. And how are you finding it?
2: I love it here. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I love the mountains. I love the people. I don't ever want to go back. I, I just, I love it here. It is, Where what do you
1: I, think about, uh, what do you think about our pizza? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, so... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's terrible I, i'm sorry but thank you if, if i if i miss one thing about chicago it's the food and so it, you know my wife and i we, we recently just we, we tried everywhere we've been desperate to find a good pizza here. we started making our own we we, we, we get have our own dishes dough. deep enough we we do it from scratch we put it you know i roll the dough i hand toss and everything it's, it's just like a thing we're doing now because we just can't get the taste right
0: What's your what's your go-to? I, I know that this seems like a huge diversion, but pizza is a hot subject here at Enemy. Probably Slime. more than video games. Probably more than video games. So 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 quick quick side diversion. What's your go-to Chicago pizzeria? Where are we where are we heading if we're back in the old country?
2: Oh, go-to <laughs> pizzeria. All right. So I live in a town. Uh, live in a town called Romieville. It's a suburb south of Chicago. There was a place there called At's Nice Pizza. They had an awesome pizza. It had like a braided crust to it. I could eat there every weekend and enjoy it and love it. Um, for deep dish pizza, definitely Giordano's. Um, yeah. Yeah. Deep dish pizza there. I mean, fantastic. I mean, you can't go wrong, though. I mean, it just take any place, throw a dart, you know, with the stones from my house. I, I had at least six or seven places I could order pizza from. And uh, out here, I think we get Pizza Hut and Papa John's, and it's just it's just uh, well, that sad. I can give you
0: a. I can give you a small amount of guidance, which is you should definitely check out Este's. days, uh, oh. but they're in New York style, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a thinner crust, uh, you know, much bigger pizza. Um, You're gonna have to
1: order five pizzas and stack them on top of each other. And
0: I don't know yeah. if you know this, but maybe I can give you <laughs> another hot tip, which is Giordano's actually will ship the pizza to you. Uh, which uh, is which is something that we found out because one of our uh, guys is in New York and feels very strongly about his New York pizza and also very anti uh, the the Chicago deep dish or as he calls it I believe bread zagna. And, He calls it Bread And so at, at some point we actually set up a a crowdfunding a GoFundMe page to ship him uh, some deep dish pizza, and we were able to successfully fund that and
3: uh, and sent him some Giordano's. <laughs> <laughs> because uh our fans are like that but you won't send but they will fund a joke to one of our to one of our uh, people
1: you know i can tell that ross is good people because he was more than willing to stop talking about video games to talk about deep dish pizza hey
2: man it's a hot subject That's right. Pizza, pizza and beer, man. That's that's the that's the winning combination, right there. All right, there Sounds you go. Sounds like a good man. Something uh-huh.
0: something that we're sorely lacking. Uh, well, it's, it depends yeah, we got right good here. beer. No, I, 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 we have Budweiser.
2: You, you, your beer out here is good. You got some some good breweries out here. I absolutely love the beer.
0: Yeah, we have, we have some we have some nice places here for sure.
2: Let's. Uh,
0: I totally forgot where we were at in the in the video game thing, but let's kind of return back to uh, your your evolution here so so you had hero mages you uh you connected with ea they relocated you and now here you are here and your new game is it prophecies did i get that right that's right yep. and you say that's kind of a spiritual successor to hero mages which which saw some success it looks like i mean it has quite a few uh ratings on on both itunes and on the the android store so it seems like you had a pretty good player base there
2: oh yeah yeah so uh yeah, the the original goal that what started the whole thing was uh I had used to do game nights with my my buddies and we'd get together, we'd play tabletop games like Warhammer or do card games like Magic the Gathering, and we'd get into these fights over the rules and, and the fights That's would true. end up taking taking way more time than they should. <laughs> Instead of gaming, we'd just be at each other's throat about no, he can't see past the tree. Yes, he can see past the tree. I can measure and there's you know so it was a kind of a way to just create a simpler experience, you know, get to the battle faster, have the fun faster. Um, but uh, the, the business of board games is very, is very difficult to get into. So my buddy had suggested doing a, a digitalized version, and that's what I did, and it uh, it did very well. I mean, from an indie standpoint, uh, I mean, I made back the investment I put into it in terms of the production costs. Um, but I mean, it it wasn't enough to sustain the long term dream, which is of course, you know, have a studio, you know, make games for a living, be free to be creative, right? That's, that's sort of what most people that get into this are are after. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, EA was an awesome opportunity to really get in and see how, how the pros do it and get immersed with a, with a fantastic, um, team of people, um, very talented. I mean, they, they hire some of the industry's best um at making games. So I learned a lot while I was there. And and that's that's kind of what's driving the the uh uh the smarts behind the business plan in the next game.
0: How many people did you have working on Hero Mages? Uh
2: so there was me uh, as the primary developer. I had um a, a team of artists that were outsourced. So they were kind of like on contract. They were a studio that did just like the concepts and the character models. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I, I had I had a lot of friends play test it, that supported it, and um, give feedback and things like that. But as far as like actual developers on it, just just myself and and uh, that was it, I guess.
0: And and comparing that to today with prophecies, how how big is your team now?
2: So uh, as of today, I have uh, five people in the team. Um, that's probably one of the most exciting things about this time around is. Um, having others to support in the effort and kind of reignite the excitement back at you. So, and those times when you're like, I oh, just totally burned out, you can get you know that boost of energy off of your your teammates. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: And uh, where do you where where do you get your, uh, your your kind of runway to do stuff like that? Do you have investors that you're
2: reporting to, or is this something that you're investing in yourself? So it's it's kind of been a, a plan for a long time. I've I've been just saving and saving and waiting for the right opportunity to kind of launch into this. Um, and, uh, as of right now, yeah, it's, it's just personal investment, um, saved and self-funding. Um, I I do plan and and we'll need to, um, launch a Kickstarter is kind of like the big plan to help fund the art, which is going to be the most expensive part of the project. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so right now kind of the goal is we're working to create a, a vertical slice of the game you know create the full core experience and kind of prove out to anyone that'd be interested in in supporting us in that way to show like this is a real thing we're going to actually deliver it we're going to give you everything you want and, and what you expect to see out of it and uh you know a lot of that work that's going into that is kind of trying to get our marketing kicked off um one of the big things that um is, is the challenge for an indie studio is just getting at that awareness that hey there's an awesome game here right Mm-hmm. And uh getting people to be aware about that.
0: And your language when you describe that sounds like you're already probably keenly aware about a lot of the concerns or challenges that, that coincide with running a Kickstarter. What are oh, your yeah. what are can you elaborate on that a little bit? What are your big takeaways, your 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 do's and do nots when it comes to crowdfunding?
2: Yeah, um so and this is actually it's a good topic. I I've I've spoken with a number of other indie developers that have kind of gone this route before. Um, so the, the first big lesson is, you, you don't do a Kickstarter with you know day one thinking that I'm going to drop this video, even if it's a great high production quality video, and then you're going to get this awesome response. Um, you've got to bring the crowd to the crowdfunding, so to speak, which which means that there's a lot of planning, um, months of planning in advance to figure out how you're going to reach your target audience. Um, a lot of games that come out indie are so niche or very specific to a a particular taste that it's hard to actually find the audience for it. And so sometimes people will launch Kickstarters and they'll see the Kickstarter fails and they'll take the as a sign. Well, maybe there's just not the audience for this game. And that's because they're relying on the Kickstarter as sort of the, the means through which the audience is gathered. Uh, But Kickstarter is not the means through which it's gathered. It's the means through which the community becomes sort of, you know, gets behind you in it and really shows that, yeah, there's something real here that we can um, get excited about.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, it's it's been a bad few years for Kickstarter, uh, at least for for I think consumer uh. consumer trust in the platform. I think it's probably at a at a pretty low state right now. We have we have more stories of uh, failures than success. Well, I, maybe that's debatable. I don't know. You, you, we we can we can have that fight somewhere else. But uh, that's good that you're aware. I think of some of the the limitations that. Uh, that that model can kind of bring.
3: Now, are you... uh... You you can always do a Kickstarter for pizza. Yeah, that's true.
0: The potato salad worked pretty well. We crowdfunded that, no problem. So... uh... (laughs) It, it's tough to say, but I like the way you're talking about is kickstarting almost like a certain aspect of the game. Uh, because a lot of times the the problem that I think a lot of people have and where that mistrust comes in is uh, they the Kickstarter is more generic than that. It's just like you know, give us money so that we can make this game, and they have yeah. these they have these really like late concept uh you know pieces put together like full in-game trailers and cinematics and all kinds of stuff that's already built and you get that impression of like well this is happening whether i donate to it or not like the shack fu kickstarter that didn't need my money because they were going to make the shack fu remake regardless of whether or not i donated to it but i think when you go in with that specific like look we need art assets you know we have this core game but we don't have the art assets for it i think that's a much easier sell for people than kind of the, just the generic like we're gonna make a game and and w- will we make it if you don't give us a bunch of money hard to say
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I kind of agree
3: I, I tend to be more um more hopeful of games that are like that I look like they might actually happen without it but that just kind of you know get better I get that
0: but I've, I at the same time I feel like to me the spirit of Kickstarter is to I mean, literally in the name, right? To start a project, not to, uh, not not to uh, supplement a project that's already going to be completed, regardless of whether or not it gets its funding. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: anyway, that's neither here nor there. What um, I'm trying to think of what uh, where where I want to go from here. Maybe uh, a good thing to start with is. What do you think some of the most common mistakes that somebody who goes out and sets out to start their own studio or, or makes their own game, what do you think are the big pitfalls that people run into when they try to go down the same path that you're going down?
2: Yeah, um, so kind of speaking from my own experience, um, I'd say number one is not thinking about the, the business side of it, right? Every, kind of the core thing that you think about with the game is um, you have a passion behind it, you want to deliver this experience, um, but delivering experience, you, you also want to continue to deliver those experiences. If the game does not have a plan to generate revenue effectively um, and you can't fund future development, you can't continue to make awesome games. Um, so the mistake I had was um, with Hero Mages, I offered a game that delivered a great experience, but it was designed to be uh, a digital board game. So you had all the pieces, right? There was a one-time purchase, uh, there was a couple expansions, and then that was it. And I've had um, some of my top players have been playing for seven years. They paid ten bucks, and they've been getting the money's worth out of that ten bucks. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because there there's, there just wasn't anything else I could offer within that kind of tight um, closed loop of a game. Um, so that's that's definitely one of the big ones. Having a plan up front, I would say, is kind of the overarching thing that would help the most in terms of organizing those different aspects. The first time, again, it was, I made the game and then I asked myself, now, how could I make a business around the game? And if you go in with that approach, you, you sort of already set up for failure because uh, the, the game and the business and the marketing and, and all that stuff really all goes together. It's, it's, a, it's a triforce. Um, getting your audience, um, how it's going to generate revenue, and then what the experience for the audience is going to be. And if you focus on just one too much, it sort of collapses like a tripod with one leg.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, conversely, what do you think is the most important thing? That, I mean, you, obviously, the, 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 you've kind of answered that with the, the business specifics. But um, I guess maybe what I'm asking is, if I wanted to get started and I wanted to make my own game and sell it, what do you think is like step one? What's the most important thing that I need to do beyond getting, getting the, the financial model planned out?
2: So you want to be able to ask yourself and be able to answer for anyone that asks you about your game what is the idea what is the game why would somebody play it that's never played your game before Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of a weird question to put that way but the game doesn't exist so you've got to create a pitch that's going to get somebody else excited about why they would want to play it Mm -hmm. and also, what, what distinguishes it from the rest of the market space? Like a lot of people go, I'm going to make the best first-person shooter, right? And they think they're going to like top a Halo or something like that. But I mean, Halo is Halo for a reason. Um, what, is, what is it about your idea that hasn't been done before that's going to get you to a place where people are going to be excited and want to come see it? Um, so that's, that's really the first step. But then the next question is, what is, uh, is there an audience for it? Especially if it's something really unique, is there people that are willing to want to try that new experience that you're talking about uh, creating? Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think that um, do you think there are a lot of like kickstarters or indie games out there that tank because they uh, they have a crazy idea that there's just no audience for? Uh,
2: I I definitely think that that's that can contribute to a lot of the the challenges. Yes, um, but it's 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 hard to quantify without. I guess the specifics. I mean, I've, I've looked at a lot of games in, in my own studies, getting my business started up, and I, I've seen games that like this game should have done really well. What happened to it? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not always that sometimes the niche, sometimes it just isn't marketed well. And sometimes it's not the right time that maybe there's another game that comes out that just sort of outshines it. And it's sort of a moment in the sun's past and it loses the initial excitement around it. Um, I mean, all kinds of factors like that. Mm. I think
0: that that's that's definitely because there's 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 an audience for I think a surprising amount of stuff. Uh, there there are games where I didn't think in a million years someone would play them, and you'll go into like the Steam discussions forum, and it's just teeming with people who are really really interested in in some pretty fringe outlier stuff. But the big challenge is taking your idea, I think, and and connecting it to you know the audience who's actually going to enjoy yeah. it.
1: Do you have any the sick weirdos who want to play it? Do
0: you have any specific uh, tips towards like marketing and avenues that you've had a lot of success with in, in promoting a game? Where, where, do, where should someone start if they're going to be doing their own marketing?
2: Yeah, uh, one more point I want to just jump on to the last one too just yeah. to wrap up the niche thing. Um, the, the key you want to have focus on is what's the problem you're solving for the audience and, and that's where I think the niche is actually a strong place for Indies to be looking at what kind of games to create because that's where the AAAs are, are not looking. That's, that's like sort of the, the hidden trench you can fire for t- photon torpedoes into that no one's protecting because they don't think there is an audience there. And if you can find the right problem and solve that for that niche audience, you can have the test it.
0: Right, right. Finding, finding those pain points for people. You know, like we sit here and lament the fact that nobody will make a Metroid game or that Nintendo won't make a Metroid game. So, uh, yep. you know, there's, there's a piece of your audience right there.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, so marketing, um, to that question, the, uh, this is the strong suit of the AAA. And this is this is the thing that I was absolutely bewildered by and and in awe of at EA was when they want to get something out there they they turn on the fire hose we call it which is just marketing everywhere I mean the game is propagated through the networks through all their channels it's it's out there and you know the world's going to know about it when when they turn that on uh, as an indie it, that is a that is one of the, the the most challenging parts is how to acquire users in fact I, I would say that's Of all the problems you face in in making a game as an indie, acquiring is probably the biggest and hardest challenge to overcome. Mm -hmm. So some of the interesting things we're looking at are ways of kind of getting in the weeds and doing what we call like the guerrilla tactics. And one of those things is um, taking advantage of what it means to be an indie, which is having um, a connection directly to your players. Um, With the larger studios, you've got layers of teams that sort of disconnect... The developer from the the customer, and as an indie, since you're so small, you can have a direct communication with your players and really start to understand what it is that they're looking to see in the game, or you know what would be like the next evolution of it. So, for prophecies, um, I started this by reaching out to my hero mage's players, and I looked at people who had you know two thousand hours of playtime and they had been playing it for seven years. I said there's a reason this person's here. You know, I want to know why, <laughs> because I want to have them come back when I make the next game. So I just reached mm-hmm. out to him and said, would you like to participate in this conversation we have about the development of this game? Would you like to help um, be involved in the design of the game? Would you like to suggest ideas? And, you know, not surprisingly, everyone's overwhelming answer was yes. I definitely want to be a part of that. Cause who doesn't want to see like their favorite game, um, have an opportunity to design cards for it. And uh, we started doing things in the play testing where, We're, you know, we're building kind of a collectible card aspects of the game. And so I sort of asked people like, you know, imagine if it was like Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone and and you could print whatever cards you want. You know, what would your ideal deck have and what kind of cards you want? And one of the players, his name's Adam, he, uh, he came back with this response. He said, you know, I would really like to be this druid. And as a druid, I... I for some reason summon squirrels that's my power and I want to have all these cards just summon a bunch of these little weekly squirrels and then um and then I have another card that mutates the squirrels into like you know ferocious rat mutant squirrels and then there's a, a third card that breeds the squirrels so that you have like a multitude of these like horrendous mutated squirrels all over the board and I said you know what that's a cool idea so we we just started Putting those into the game, and now they're playtesting cards that have mutated squirrels in it. Because why not? <laughs> that's and the spirit.
0: Because because why not? I like that.
2: <laughs> why not squirrels, right? I mean that that's that's how you, that's how you find and connect with people. I mean, and so what? What I believe is that you know enough people in enough territories, right? I've got I've got players like this that are worldwide. I've got a guy in France. I've got a guy in Germany. West Coast, East Coast. You know. I guarantee that the player that sees their mutant squirrel deck come into a real game is going to be a diehard fan. And they're going to tell their friends, this is a game you want to play because it's got my squirrels in it. I figure if I can get enough of those people connected throughout the country that maybe they'll start to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's one kind of unique approach that we're looking at. Um, another is, uh, reaching out to, um, the, the the hot word nowadays is the, the influencers. These are, these are folks on YouTube folks that run blogs Enemy yourself. slime. Yeah, <laughs> not unlike yourself. They have. They why, have you why are you that? That? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Nudge nudge. Uh, yeah. So that's you know, it's it's, it's kind of connecting directly um, through people that have a voice. You know that that the people like you guys that get other gamers psyched about playing games because you know as it, funny as just to play games it's, it's it's almost as 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 much fun maybe even more fun sometimes to talk about them because a lot of the experience. And community around games is is developed in sort of the discussion and the shared experiences, talking about those. Mm-hmm. So that's another approach we have is just sort of um, our marketing um, girl. She's going about um, kind of investigating and looking at ways to kind of reach out and, and get exposure with these influencers to kind of help spread the word. And and then the last last piece of advice I'd say is um, just regular dialogue. Um, what's really hard as a developer is I kind of – personally go through these lapses where i like get really active and twitter things or facebook things and then i sort of go into like a three-week hole where i'm just programming and then everyone loses interest and i've heard that the key is sort of keeping this regular dialogue always get people on the hook always get them expecting something regularly and, and that's why i brought on marketing support now like there, there needs to be a dedicated person on your team to handle and tackle that um, because you can't you can't let your players slip away Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. Or, or of course, a a PR firm or something along those lines. But um, you're 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 right that it's not enough to have a sole creator manage that stuff usually. And I feel like I think now at this point, I've watched over the last few years a lot of indie games. I shouldn't say a lot, but a, a number of indie games from like their their initial creation period to launch to a launch that was disappointing for the creator because it didn't uh, garner the attention that they wanted or didn't get the number of users that they wanted. And most of the time, if you trace back where things really go wrong, a lot of times they're great games. They're games that are, that are really strong and uh, are a lot of fun to play. But the problem is, is that when people, and this goes back to kind of what you were saying, which is when you're starting out, having a plan from the get go. And the problem is, is that most of these guys don't include marketing as a phase in this plan, or they include it as a step not as something that costs money. Uh, they they have a tendency not to think of marketing as being something uh, that costs money. And so, you know, these guys will literally work on this game until money runs out and get to a point where like, okay, I have to put it out this month because otherwise I don't get to eat anymore. And the problem with that is that they haven't factored in the, the concept of, of, you know, where are we going to promote this? You know, do we have enough money to hire a PR firm? And, and they're, they're pricey. You know, doing it in-house is pricey. Um, but a lot of times... Yeah,
3: there's no easy way to do it, right?
0: I, I think it's one of those things that people just don't associate a price with it. They just assume, like, well, all I have to do is email some blogs, and they're going to pick up my game and run with it. So, like, why would, yeah. I, why <laughs> would I pay for that? And it's just, it's, it's not that easy,
1: yeah, you gotta put it on Vine.
0: I think that's an easy pitfall to to get into. Um, yeah. Let tell me a little bit more uh, about your time at EA. What were what were some of the projects that you worked on there? It sounds like so your your, your personal games are obviously mobile centric. Was that your experience at EA as well? Was working on mobile titles, or did you do any console work, or where, where did you kind of bounce around
2: there? Uh, so I was brought on to work on Facebook games. And then from there, I transitioned to mobile. And um, as of recent, I, the, the entire studio, um, the office we have in Salt Lake City, um, is is a mobile first studio. So it's it's all all games for iOS and, and Android now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that that was the the vibe that I got from it. And it seems like even when we had like Disney Interactive and and some of those other companies here, uh, there's most of the developers around this area. Uh, that have seen commercial success and are running, you know, like actual businesses. Almost all of them are developing on a mobile platform. I've, I'm not really sure. Do you have any insight as to why that is? Why do? You, is there any reason why Salt Lake can only seem to to drive up that particular type of development?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure why Salt Lake is that way. I, I can, I mean, I have my guesses more as an industry perspective why mobile is sort of. Becoming the uh, the new the new norm or the new thing that's sought after. Maybe let's
0: um, maybe let's explore that. What's appealing to AAA about uh, about the mobile market?
2: So, um, a number of reasons. Um, first off, um, from a business perspective, that's that's where the money is, um, and I'll, I'll just kind of flat out say it. I mean, for 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 what AAA console games can do, um, Clash of Clans, the number one game on mobile, does about 1.2 million a day. And they're doing that consistently, and they've done that consistently for the past four years um, off of the same title. So imagine being able to generate a model like that of business off of one game you continue to service um, without the overhead of three um, D graphics or triple A experiences or cinematics. I mean, it's it's a very very viable platform, um, but it's uh, it's kind of elusive too. The the people that own the top market spaces there, it's it's like the Mariana's Trench. You know, top. Number one publisher, Supercell. Then you've got King. Then it kind of drops after that substantially to the next publishers um, in terms of what can be generated in revenue because they own such a high percentage of the market share. Um, but then the other piece of it is is not just the business; it's it's the experience. It's 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 how games are changing, and this is something kind of even on a personal level, I've started to experience. There is, um, I mean, I grew up playing all kinds of games super nintendo nintendo um in television um I, I was a hardcore gamer throughout my entire life but i've grown up i've got kids i've got a full-time job and very sadly my time to sit down and play 45 plus minute sessions of games just don't exist anymore and mobile is appealing because within a three-minute experience i can go and you know play two or three games <laughs> And, and kind of get my fix in terms of games. Um, and I've kind of started to acclimate that way. And I think a, a, a large num- larger number of of former core gamers are sort of falling down that path where mobile is now the the conduit through which we kind of get our gaming out. Because you can do it any time and fit it between those moments of time where you normally wouldn't be able to, to do a sit-down session.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that even with traditional console and PC titles, like I appreciate a game that I can pick up for 20 minutes and then put down, you know, anything that requires uh, a lengthier investment. It's not that I wouldn't play those games, but it can be harder sometimes. Um, And I'm saying that as someone who has little to no responsibilities in, in, in any way. So, and a video
1: game website.
0: And a video game website. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's true. But I still, you know, I still find myself uh, going back to those bursts and things like that. Maybe, um, maybe let's style it back a bit and just kind of talk about uh, uh, personal tastes a little bit. What are your? And I, I know this is going to be a tough one to just answer on the spot, but. Uh, do your best. Tell me your tell me your desert island games. Like I we we banish you to a desert island with a TV and whatever console or equipment or phone. I have like. it. Yeah, right. What are, what, I've got internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are your okay. th- what are your three uh, games that that are coming with
2: you? Okay. Awesome. I love the island question. All right. So definitely <laughs> um, definitely Battlefield. Um, That that's mm-hmm. probably my all time favorite first person shooter. I mean, which one? Okay, so if I had to pick, my my absolute favorite is Bad Company 2. Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. That's That's a good
0: choice.
2: My absolute rush mode on that game is a phenomenal experience. I've had moments where I, the the match comes down to the last two tickets and we are like just super hyper-focused, rezzing each other in a chain. And it's like the last ticket you get the victor and it's, you, you spike the controller. That's what you do. You take the <laughs> Xbox controller and you spike it on the, I have smashed Xbox controllers that way. But uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely on the Island. Um, I mean, I would have to say uh, Skyrim. I, I, there's probably, I I've invested, God knows how many hours, 200 plus hours in that game. And I, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I can can do in terms of exploration and, and diving in there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, definitely got to have a, um, a, an RTS game in there. And it's, it's a toss-up for me. I, I mean, I, I've always was a fan of StarCraft, and I like StarCraft too, but I think I'd have to go with uh, Dawn of War. I think it uh, has a certain place in my heart, being a 40K fan and having sort of the unique mechanics of that. I think I would take that one.
0: I feel like there's always a but when someone says, I love StarCraft 2. Yeah.
2: I love StarCraft 2, but. Just, I don't know, Dawn of War, just uh, for me, I like uh, like the battles have a little bit more sustainability to them. StarCraft, I feel like you get your units, you go against theirs, and it's within the first half a second, you know who's won that battle. Whereas I've got some more time to react with Dawn of War, I can res units, I can bring people back into the fight. I can, it's kind of got a little bit more I can do with that to kind of survive. I'm not a very strong Twitch player. I can't tab between my guys fast enough like some of the pro players can. So I like that flexibility to kind of have um, the ability to, to reinforce the squads, I guess, during the battle.
0: Okay, now I'm going to ask you a harder question and I want you to do your best to to answer it, but a lot of people are, are hesitant. Let's reverse this scenario. It's not a desert island. It is, in fact, hell, and I, I am the devil, and I have three games with which I can torture you for the rest of your life by making you experience them eternally. Which three games would be my best picks to, to really get under your skin?
2: Oh, my God. Okay, man, that's a much, much harder one. I... I'm...
0: <laughs> All right, well... People who aren't critics seem to always have more trouble being negative. Uh, right. I, I think all three of us could immediately come up with like a
3: way longer list of, of our hell games. To be, to be fair, we have to sit through a bad one. Than right? our desert yeah, island I, I, games.
2: I, I, think, I think that's Bro,
3: right. if Bro, Bro, right. is a bad game. You can just go and return it. We have to like fucking sit down, finish it, so we can review it.
2: <laughs> right, and
3: then it goes on the
0: shelf. You're keeping it. It's too late to return it. Yeah. Like by the time you're done with yeah. it, you know, GameStop wouldn't give you anything for it anyway. But anyway, try. GameStop. Try your best. What can you give me? All what's right. what's I
2: gonna, I've got one this I'm just going off what comes to my head. This is going to sound really bizarre, but okay. Uh Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Okay. I don't think that, that's uh that um that's
0: not as bizarre
1: that was as
2: you <laughs> Well, here, Everybody like,
1: on this podcast has been tortured by Black Flag in one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, so that's not really that uh, that controversial.
2: Okay, I see. I thought that was... It seemed like a game at, at first when I went to go download it that... Uh, like the, the trailer, it like, really pitchy. It's like, uh, you know, um, be a pirate. Control your own ship. Well, that sounds badass. Dive under sea. Punch a shark in the face. Don't like punching sharks? Go, you know, wrestle with a leopard in the jungle. I'm like, this sounds good, alright. And then I get into the game and I, I felt like it was just like five minutes of cutscene before I could do anything. And then yeah, I would do a quest and I'm like, alright, now I'm going to go assassin. Five minutes of cutscene before I can go do anything. And for me, that like, lack of gratification, I need, I need gratification.
3: Totally <laughs> not only that, but you, you were going to like an island and get a quest, right? So you will be like, oh, let's go kill this
2: guy. The yeah. guy's like three islands over. You're like, ah, I gotta fuck get in the ship. <laughs> yeah, so, so that, that, one, that one for me games that do that I, I i that that would definitely be on there um man other games oh man I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll make it a little easier for you if this helps i'll let you add modifiers so for example i might say uh wind waker but with all the islands removed so i'm only sailing
2: the entire game oh, okay so i can i can turn things on and off to it okay if, so if we're having
0: if I can... trouble yeah sure let's do that
2: all right i'm trying to trying to narrow it down to like a sub give, give me some like Give me some examples. Give me like a choice, like A, B, and C, because I could pick it that way.
0: Lucio, what's a game that, what What, what are your, what, let's do, let's do everybody. Lucio, what's your game that I could torture you with and how?
3: <laughs> oh, shit. Um, Murdered Soul Suspect.
0: Murdered Soul <laughs> Suspect. Okay, yeah, that's a very good one. Michael, what about you? Oh,
1: Mario Kart. <laughs> Mario Kart? What the fuck? I fucking hate Mario Kart. Why are you so old? huh <laughs> <laughs> Because times were better back in my days. Lucio. You know, that's why. <laughs> there were simpler lop, times. What happened to your merriment? It died in the Great War. <laughs> D- Doug, what about Along you? Along with all of my friends. Uh, dinner date or Lords of the Fallen?
0: <laughs> dinner date or Lords of the Fallen? Wow, man. Um, I... <laughs>
2: Gonna,
0: I, I don't know what, what I'd say. I mean, I feel like it's so obvious to say Sunset. So that was neat But that's a pretty good one. I mean, there's the real low hanging fruit. I didn't play Mirror Moon, so I, I didn't have to deal with that one. There's the low hanging fruit, like, like you know, your Superman 64s or your big rigs over the road racing.
1: Or, um, but I, did you actually play Superman 64?
0: I have. It's amazing. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you, you, but I'm more interested in people's tastes. So, like for me, it's actually probably League of Legends. Like there you go. Uh, where a lot of people like that game, but for me, it's just it, there's something about it that just doesn't work for me. Uh, just like you with Black Flag, probably. So if if that well, Mario Kart.
1: are you are you ready to give up then? Uh, is ma- that...
3: Mario Kart is objectively
0: wrong,
1: Michael.
2: Is is that mm-hmm. your one is Black Flag?
1: I know this isn't your first language, Lucy. but... Black
2: Flag. (laughs) He's all in (laughs) on Black Flag. Gratification. It's got to be something I can get into and and have that satisfaction with. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, something that isn't
2: punctuated with frequent boat rides. Let me ask you, have you played Unity? (laughs) Uh, I have not played Unity. I, I played Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 2... And I, honestly, yeah, I think by this, even the second one, I was getting irritated that the best part about number two is by far the little puzzle trailer you had to complete. And I did all the things to get the little spinner at the end. I'm like, oh, yeah, that that was awesome.
0: Oh, yeah, that was pretty great. That was cool.
2: The time challenges. So that that was the other thing that got me like I can't stand um, like unfair, broken levels of difficulty. I, I guess that would be, you know what? You're, you're going to love. Um mirror search catalyst
3: then oh geez
2: <laughs> there was um, this game on the uh, ipad my son downloaded wanted me to download He just he, he see he's four he watches uh youtubes um and then and then asked me to get the games he gets reviewed on there or that he finds on there and you i know I, all about that i can't remember the name of the game i'll have to come back and and shoot it at you or something but it i tried to play it and I swear like we we both did it i'm like this game is just broken the controls were just vector it was vector three that's what it was called and it was like a little platformer runner game where you go through and it kind of mimicked a lot of the, his other platform games like but the controls were just so broken that i just wanted to like throw the thing down and smash it in half because you couldn't you couldn't play it it was unplayable and so that that's my other hot topic button is if, it, if the game's not playable if it's not fair if it's if it's just for no reason, doesn't work how it's supposed to, mm-hmm. that torture, for sure.
3: Or one of the things that that aren't really part of the game, like, you know, um, putting a rhythm section for no reason. Or a, like a, a stealth that. segment
0: uh-huh. in a non-stealth game. Yeah,
2: yeah right. that's good. Like, actually, back
0: back to Assassin's Creed, you know, stuff like that. You know those missions where you get to follow someone and, and listen to them? Aren't those the best
3: everyone loves those yeah oh, black flag has so many of those
0: i know that's practically all black flag is, is just follow that guy and listen to him oh you got too far away so oh I good.
1: Saw you so yeah, I, where I, you have just, to drive around in a go-kart
0: <laughs> I, I never i didn't think you i didn't know you were so hung what about diddy kong racing michael i did not play
1: it you gotta be in a but plane sonic racing. i'm sure it's great everyone loves it what about sonic racing Uh, obviously fantastic.
0: Yeah, he'll make an exception for Sonic Racing.
1: What about the and Dexter racing game? Mm, I didn't understand a lot of what you said. (laughs) (laughs) He's not not speaking English anymore.
0: Um, I think that we're probably getting pretty close to time. Ross, is there anything that we... Before we kind of plug your stuff a little bit, is there anything that you were hoping we'd discuss that we missed? Or uh, a special point, a final message perhaps? a, A word of encouragement to the young boy sitting in his room who's thinking of starting his game studio
2: yeah go make games that's that's the secret <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> go out good out advice make games go out there and make yeah i mean that's that's how you do it I, I guess i guess i put it this way the the challenge at the onset seems overwhelming and impossible and and believe me there were so many times where i told myself there's no way you can make this game. There's no way you could program multiplayer. There's no way you could do this. And it's like every single thing, you start with the first step, go read the tutorial, try and make your first little dummy game, then go and do the next dummy game. And then you add the layers on. And by the time you've gotten, you know, three weeks into it, you look back and you go, I know some stuff. And it feels pretty good. And that's gonna give you the next motivation to go forward to the next step. And then pretty soon you just got the snowball rolling. And that's that's all there is. Just
3: so try. So before we go, um, since you have kids and everything, let me ask you, do you know any good, like, starting sets for kids to, to start getting, like, their feet wet?
2: Oh, to, to, for, for kids playing games, you're asking?
3: No, probably, no, probably, for,
2: probably kids. for kids Sorry. developing games, right? Yeah, well, for kids developing games, like, what kind of games they could make. No, I mean like you know any like suite of tools or something. Maybe like, like oh, a yeah.
0: like a beginning yeah. engine. Like you, Lucio's right. probably not going to plop his yeah, kids down in course. front of Unity. Right. Well, okay, yeah,
2: yeah so I I'm, I'm not going to do C plus plus just yet. Yeah, so well, of course. So I'm a Flash developer, and many people think Flash is dead, but I, I got to tell you, I think that is one of the best platforms to make games on. Um, I use uh, there's there's a platform called Starling. In fact, you can go on there. It's all free, open source. They've got tutorials on there. You get to go on there. And I forget what the first game they have you make on there is. Uh, there's one, um, there's a there's a course on lindalearning.com. Lee Brimlow, he was, uh, he's an evangelist and I think lead product manager now at Adobe that did a course. You create a, uh, a space shooter game and you do it in eight hours, it's an eight-hour course. But but the end of eight hours, you've made a whole game. It's, it's awesome. Um, but um, let's see what else. You've got... Flash, um, Unity has got obviously a ton of tutorials. If you're looking to do more of like a 3D style game, um, I would go with Unity for that, um, doing the environments. Um, they've got a lot of prefab stuff so that even if you don't have uh, the 3D art making skills, they've got a lot of things in the asset store, so you can kind of plop things right. around and kind of create tutorial games there. That's another great avenue to go on. Um, Unreal Engine has got also lots of tutorials and you can get that. Um, licensed, and I think their their business model is that it's um, free to use, and until you've got like um, enough customers where you're generating revenue, and then they take a share of the revenue once you're over a certain cap. So right. any three of those awesome sp- starting spots to get uh, in, into developing games. I'll, I'll throw
0: one in too for you, Lucio, and I'm not being facetious when I say this: RPG <laughs> RPG Maker. such kids up. No, I, mean, I
1: guess yeah, with the kids, it will be. It'll do a really good job of teaching them why they don't want to make games.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Ross, your upcoming title is prophecies. Uh, tell us where people can, can find you, your YouTube channel, your website, that sort of stuff.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, for the game website, d20studios.com, we've got that, uh, recently reset up so you can link to everything from there for the YouTube channel. Um, I'm still working on getting the, the domain hooked up to it, but the easiest way to find that is to go to YouTube, go to videos, type how to start a game company, and we're the number one hit. So just tap that, and you'll find it.
0: There you go. Couldn't be simpler. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. really do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully there's some some good nuggets that some of our listeners are able to glean from that, some of our uh, young, intrepid developers. Hopefully you're not too young and listening to this podcast, my God. Uh, but, <laughs> but nonetheless... Uh, if you want to write into to us, if you want us to get you in contact with Ross or anything like that, you can reach us at contact at enemieslime.com. You should also go follow us on social media. We're at The Enemy Slime on both Facebook and Twitter, so go check us out on either one of those services. i also mentioned last week we offered up a copy of Deus Ex to the first person to send a physical letter to our P.O. box, and uh, that offer is still on the table. So uh, go listen to last week's podcast, get the information. It's also on our contact page on, uh, on Enemy Slime, but uh, go, go grab that. Send us a letter. We'll, we'll, we'll buy you a game for free. It'll be so great. You'll love it. I think we'll expire that offer when the game actually comes out. But for now, <laughs> for now it still stands. So if anybody can be bothered to go... I know you children don't know like, how to get a stamp, but you just go to the grocery <clears throat> store. They'll, they have them there. Uh, you, you can figure it out, I swear.
3: Grocery store.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's right. Because we have the Amazon grocery now.
3: Um,
1: yeah, they, they'll go to that. I don't my know. Mom gets my groceries. So how how can I do, do oh, that? If you
0: have a if you have a mom, ask her for a stamp. That's practically yeah, exactly. that's like the there first job of a mother is to have stamps at all times.
3: So this is what you do. You um, you go into your email and you type Michael at enemy and he's old, so he can tell you all about the stuff. <laughs> he knows exactly where to get. St-
0: Michael, do you have stamps in your house?
1: of course i have stamps in my house doug
0: doug do you have stamps in your house i probably have a small sheet of stamps somewhere but did you get them or did your wife get them it was my wife (laughs) (laughs) all right well point 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 proven all right well hey thank you guys for joining us and i think with that stamp discussion that is a perfect place to say that we are out